Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Hello, this is the Helping Friendly Podcast. My name's RJ. I'm here with my good friends, Matt and Brad. What's up, guys? Hello. Hey, hey. We're also uh, friends. Matt and I are also friends, too. <laughs> right? No. no. Um, we, we have a very special day today. We have a trifecta of celebrations. It's our Osiris colleague Nick's birthday, and it's International Podcast Day, which is, which is quite a day in itself, but we also have Trey's birthday at the same time, so we're going to be celebrating all three today. Matt has a custom-made special International Podcast Day t-shirt, which is just, it's really cool. I love the logo. Um, Brad, are you, are you going to be celebrating International Podcast Day? Yeah, of course. I, I already have that. Well, it's more of like a, to me, it's like an International Podcast Week. You know what I mean? It's like I extend the celebration. It's funny that we're laughing about it because it's actually what I do for a living. But um, <laughs> anyway, we're we're gonna we're gonna celebrate um, we're gonna celebrate Trey's birthday today by talking about some of our favorite moments. We have a bunch of cool stuff coming, and um, I won't tell you how old Trey is because um, it's it's not polite. But you could find out on the internet if you wanted to. Um, guys, I guess real quick, there was before the last episode, I think um, a new live tab album was released have you guys gotten a chance to listen to that yeah killer it seems stuff. like it's yeah pretty well received and it seems like it's a really um it's like a great great compilation and i think um vance powell 
worked on that, right, Matt? Yeah, he produced, he, he mixed it, um, which, you know, I'm a big fan of his work uh, on all the stuff he's worked on with Trey and, and his other work uh, elsewhere with Chris Stapleton and whatnot. So I've been really digging it. Uh, it's a great sounding record, um, great collection of songs. I can't remember if I said this on the last episode or not, but, you know, I saw Tab on this uh, run early this year in January where they recorded this stuff, and um, I was super impressed with them. I saw them, the, it was the second night at the Cap, uh, and it was one of the better, you know, tab shows that I've seen in, in quite some time. I mean, at least the last five to 10 years. So, um, really stoked that they kind of went back to that and were able to put together such a, a great live album out of the, uh, the tapes that they got. So if, if we listen to like a soundboard of one of those shows the next day on, on the live fish app, and then Vance Powell got his hand on one of those songs, like, would you be able to tell, I mean, you would probably be able to tell, but would we all be able to tell the difference? Like, is it, is it about like, just kind of like turning different knobs or what? Like, what's the, how do you make it, especially a live recording, like mastered and mixed and stuff for a live album? Well, I mean, you're, the mix that you do in the room is going to be a little bit different than what you do f when you're sitting isolated in a studio. Like you might have to put a little bit more power, uh, behind something, you know, in the, in the room through the PA system to make it sound more legible, especially in a room, like, like a really good example would be that, um, in a room, a smaller room, like the cap, um, and I'm just making this assumption this may not be true at all, but just something that would happen, you know, Trey, Trey, Trey's guitar rig is like really, really loud. So they may not have to put as much of him through the PA system because he's so present in the room. Whereas, um, you know, on when you're mixing something later after the fact for somebody to listen to in their home, you need to balance that out with all of the other instruments. So you might do that differently. You might make different EQ choices because the EQ choices that you're using when you mix a live show are kind of to make it sound good in that room. And then, you know, at home, you can be a little bit more nuanced about making things sound um, differently against each other. Um, you know, you have the ability to, to mute or cut out any kind of like noises, sounds mm. that you don't like, stuff like that. So so in theory, from multi-track tapes, you should be able to, um, you know, hear a difference. I mean, I guess the, the question that I would ask you, um, if you listen to like a raw soundboard from 94 or even one of the live fish releases from 94, like Sugarbrush or something like that, and then you compare that to a live one, do you hear a difference? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I get that. That makes a lot of sense. I mean... It's like a, I guess like I would just describe it as like a richer sound, right? But, but that's not, that's pretty simplistic, but it feels like kind of all around fuller and richer. And I guess that's the result of like tons and tons and tons of, of different tweaking. Yeah. I think specifically yeah. for tab, the horns are so loud, right? Um, especially in a small room that when you're there live, they, they're really present, uh, unless you're maybe on the other side or whatever, but, um, not that I'm not complaining about them. It's just you can tell then you you've get uh, Tony and Russ and, and and I noticed Ciro a lot more on the Burn It Down release than I did when we went when I was there in person and it was like late January in Phoenix in a, a pretty big empty not empty room an open room inside but basically just like an old um, it was an old warehouse or you know maybe a produce warehouse or something that that the building was. Um, and so they, I think they had the PA up a lot to, to fill the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's cool. And I hadn't thought about the, like the way that you would approach that. It makes, makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's even just like the Virginia beach 97 show. Cause we had that as like a, I think it was like an FM source. Was it an FM or a soundboard source that, that circulated? Because when that like first when we first got those tapes, it was like a good sounding show, but it was nothing like the like the, the mix that came out after the right. dinner and yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, speaking of dinner and a movie, the day this is released, not just a trifecta, a trifecta plus one, whatever that word is, um, is <laughs> they're doing the first monthly dinner and a movie is a show from Columbus, Ohio, seven twenty three ninety nine. Brad, were you at that show? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because I was I was out of I left for the summer to do an internship or something dumb. No, but yeah, you were gone. I was I was still in that house on Northwood. The, yeah, that's um, it's a pretty sweet show and a pretty awesome 1.0 show we we get to see on on this next dinner movie. Do you know that show, Matt? Yeah, well, th this is one that um, 
is pretty familiar because they released it uh, late last year as a live fish archival release. Um, they happened, we, we had a little bit of fun with that because they happened to release it. I think it was like within a week of the episode of After Midnight that we released where we featured a clip from this show uh, where Trey announces Big Cypress. Um, yeah. So we, there was a moment when we thought maybe they were trolling us a little bit, which was probably a little bit arrogant of us to think that. But, um. I still think we should think that, though, because it's still fun to think that. That was a cool moment, though. Well, the I'm funny also th- going to think that, that Trey listens to our birthday episode, right? Yes, but of course. This is, this is our gift to him. It would be rude What else would he do not, on his birthday? Listen to. I did see a theory out there by somebody in the community this week that uh, they think, just as a couple of people had suggested that the reason why they released this show in the middle of us airing after midnight last fall was because they were on the verge of releasing big Cypress. Um, I saw a suggestion on the internet this week that they're going to do this. And during set break, they're going to announce that new year's Eve is going to be a broadcast of, uh, of, of big Cypress, um, which I get, you know, I can't, I don't know if I really believe that, but that would be cool. It would be really cool. There's some people out there. There's people, you people who are listening to this, you guys think way more carefully about fish than I do. <laughs> it's like these elaborate schemes. I'm like, I don't know. Columbus show, sweet, sweet ghost. <laughs> um, so we, we, I want to tell you guys about one thing. You might have heard us talk about it on the last episode, um, which Matt, thanks for re, remixing that last episode. I think that was the first sets episode was fun. Hope everyone enjoyed that. Um, but we mentioned this at the, in the intro to that show that we're going to be doing a collaboration next month, all of October, uh, with under the scales and beyond the pond. We have a really cool episode in the works where we're going to look at October 2000, but the, the fall 2000 tour, um, beyond the pond is going to look at a specific jam. Tom is going to do an under the scales with two people who had a very, very close view of that fall 2000 tour. And then the fourth week, we're going to do something sort of interesting. So all these shows are going to be kind of thematically connected and we're um, hoping everyone listens to all of them. Cause I think you'll, you'll hear the, you'll hear the cross currents and um, if it works and if, if you all like it, we'll, we'll do it again. But um, I'm excited for it. Cause I, I feel like there's a little more on the line for us to like, really deliver because there's other two other podcasts that are you know kind of collaborating with us do you feel the pressure matt you feeling the pressure um you know just like a a good prize fighter would before a championship match um but luckily (laughs) we've got uh we've got something in our back pocket we've got a guest that's i think it's gonna help us out with uh you know shedding a lot of insights on on this stuff and um yeah no it's it's a good good part of their history to be to be looking at uh so um yeah pumped for that we we had done that september september 2000 episode a year or two ago um and we stopped for some reason we were like we just let's just not do the last five shows of the tour or whatever because that's in a different month and we're talking about september and at the time it seemed like an oversight or kind of a dumb idea but in retrospect we were setting ourselves up for this epic episode that's about to happen I mean, ever since Brad and I started this podcast in 2013, we've been really playing the long game, you know, um, every, <laughs> when you say Brad, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, we're, we're going to have to, um, really prepare like we always do. We're going to have to, um, really <laughs> make a lot of detailed notes, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You always have a lot of detailed notes. You have your whole notebook over there. We can see it, but people, people listening can't see it. It's like um, Scott, Scott Murray's notebook. Yeah. Brad's wall is like a beautiful mind all about, all about <laughs> <HF Pod. laughs> um, yeah, so that'll be fun and, um, I, I'm excited for it. Um, all right. So we are going to talk about some Trey moments that we appreciate. This was pretty easy, I thought. When we started talking about it, I was like, maybe this is going to be too hard. But I guess keeping in the birthday spirit, just everyone listening, we're definitely going to miss a lot. And my parents, when I was a kid, whenever I had a birthday, they taught me to not focus on the presents I didn't get, but to appreciate the presents I did get. So I would, I would hope that everyone listening will give us the benefit of the doubt, but also tell us all the things that we did not highlight. Cause there's only a few, there's one from each of us and then probably a bonus one at the end. But, um, there's a lot to consider when you're thinking about what 35 years of of guitar playing that we've been listening to and watching. So I don't know. Are we going to miss a lot? Are we going to miss a lot, Brad? Well, we only get one each. I mean, there's only, there's definitely more than four choices, right? (laughs) So it's not like, um, uh, we don't have a lot to choose from. So yeah, of course we will, but it's kind of personal preference, kind of just like 
what makes us smile about Trey, everybody's going to be a little different. Um, and that's why I think maybe we can start the discussion, hopefully. Everybody yeah. can talk about theirs. Yeah, exactly. People should, yeah, tweet at us, send us Facebook messages, emails. Brad monitors the email, so just so you know, send a lot to him so that his phone blows up with, with emails. He loves that. Um, no, I'm good. I'm good at emails. They come right to my phone. It's really pretty sweet. <laughs> so when we were thinking about moments, the way I was thinking about it was like memorable jams, solos, that sort of thing, but also just like kind of defining moments that, and I, I thought a lot about video for some reason, because a lot of those that I think of right away are things that I've seen a bunch on video. How, Matt, did you think when you thought about like favorite tray moments, what did your, what did your mind go to? It went in a lot of different directions. I think you kind of just hinted at some of that. Like there's, you know, just guitar playing that's amazing. There's, um, you know, uh, funny moments. There's, um, you know, great jams or just kind of like, you know, like I one great example I was thinking about was that it's not my selection, but like we were just talking about that Virginia Beach show. Some of the 97 shows, just like watching Trey just like dance around on stage and goof it up, just like the, the infectious fun that was happening. Um, so I think there's a lot of different ways that you can a- approach it. I think ultimately we all sort of approach the question the same way, which was from the, the musical perspective. And I think that's where the most powerful moments lie. But there's a, there's a lot out there. And I mean... You know, the numbers are against us because no matter what four things we picked here, we were yeah. going to not mention 99.999% of the things that he's ever done. But, um, you know, so send your hate mail to Brad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of Brad, Brad, do you want to kick it off? Because we actually are going to go in somewhat of a chronological order here. Um, and I think you, you're you up first chronologically. Do you want to yeah. tell us about what, what came to mind for you and why you chose this? Well, Matt... Um touched on it and it's um you know the way he can make a whole crowd feel especially when you're inside of it um and I, I wanted to thank him for that I guess you know think of something that brought that along um and Hood is the first song that you know obviously I thought of maybe a um squirming coil you know maybe a slave but Hood is Hood is it for me I think it probably is for you and a lot of people too RJ but um, so then I thought, all right, which hood? And I tried to think of something that was old, think of something that maybe wasn't prevalent. Um, and I came to the 11 for 1990 hood. It's, um, I checked, it's on the jam charts. Actually, first I checked the jam charts for a, a September hood. And I mm-hmm. think out of the out of the numerous entries, there's one maybe. Uh, it was from '95, and it wasn't what I was looking for. So um, I then looked at this one, and, and this is the one that, that I wanted to go with anyway. Anyway, it's it's concise, it's short, it's maybe 10 or 11 minutes long, um, but and it's before it becomes you know minor key or, or like very exploratory 17 minute hoods. Um, but it's it's a wonderful build. It's Trey's playing in 1990 is so familiar, but yet still young and, and fresh, and um, it it really it delivers. And uh, I hope I hope people agree with me. But um, yeah, so 11 4, 1990. I think it's from uh, Colorado. I didn't even write it down. Um, but yeah, Fort Fort Collins, Fort yeah. Ram, Fort Collins. I think this is a soundboard. That was circulated as a it lot is, of them were. Yeah, the re-listen app has it, and it's uh, Mike sounds incredible in the beginning, a little bouncier than normal um, at the start of a hood, and uh, it's um, it's fun.
went a few years later, uh, but right at the peak of, of many people's fish fandom, I think 1994. Tell us a little bit about your selection. Yeah, and I have to, uh, I'll preface this by saying I had a very, very tough decision process here, a uh, handful of different things. It came down to two segments of guitar playing um, that are probably my two favorite pieces of, you know, roughly five, five to seven minutes of Trey's uh, guitar playing ever. The only reason I went with this one, um, you could definitely get, say the other one that I have as much of appreciation for that as I do for what we're going to talk about here. The the runner up was the, um, the big Cypress rock and roll, like the first five minutes of the jam. Um, the only reason I didn't say that is because we covered that relatively extensively on our big Cypress uh, episode. Yeah. Yeah, um, I remember you talking about that. I mean, it's just, it's, there's like four or five Trey solos that I could probably hum note for note and that's that's one of them <laughs> um what i what i chose instead was actually probably my first favorite piece of trey playing and i love it so much i'm not joking when i tell you this it literally says in my will that this piece of music should be played at my funeral um <laughs> <laughs> Not to oversell it or anything like that, but um, no. So it's the uh, it's the Halloween '94 Reba, um, which is just it's my all time favorite Reba. Trey's playing in it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, he starts out with this just sort of developmental playing where he's playing the same phrase over and over again and trying it as a launch point for different you know directions that he can go, and he kind of goes back to it plays around with that for a little while um the band is so great here that like at the same exact time trey and fishman decide to pull back a little bit because they realize that mike and Paige have developed this little interplay um that's going to go on that's really beautiful trey comes in on top of that with a um a phrase that's outside of the the mode that he solos in which is i'm almost positive it's c dorian that he he solos in in, in reba and then kind of builds this tension and then they go back into it and for five minutes he is it's just relentless but it's like beautiful phrasing explosive playing long quick runs that are just perfectly executed um and it peaks in this just like flurry of of you know triplets that he starts playing um this is it's the playing is so good that it i feel some sort of sense of like synesthesia or something like that when i listen to this it's like it can alter like my physical feeling my disposition it, it can make me feel completely different and it kind of takes you on this roller coaster um which is which is absolutely beautiful i've got to imagine that this is probably like a you know well-known if not favorite uh jam for you guys as well is that is that the case rj yeah for sure i mean definitely i feel like this part of it, I wonder, is like the first time we heard these things, because there was like a good version of this, you know, this show obviously that circulated. The twelve thirty one ninety three Reba is it was like the first one that I remember loving because I had it on tape and it was like from an FM broadcast. But this one's great. I mean, this whole show is just they were so tight. Like obviously they had been like practicing and just like getting that album perfect and it, i think it rubbed off on everything else it's a really really good one it's it's got some good yeah like you said sort of interplay that i think is a little bit different than a straightforward rebo which i think helps build the kind of jamming that trey does brad is this a uh, is this a favorite of yours as well oh yeah of course I, um it was not the first halloween show i, I don't think that i listened to um because uh, the, I think I listened to Quadrophenia before this one, just like in, in my listening order. Um, but I thought it was better, and and uh, this Reba is one of the reasons why I thought the show was was better. So yeah, I mean five five minutes or so, the last five minutes or, or so of the jam is just absolutely incredible. It can always lift my spirits up and kind of make me realize how beautiful the world is. So um, let's <laughs> let's check that out. This this amazing segment of playing. Thank you. 
What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. So now, RJ, you picked another one that was probably mentally in con- contention for me because it's another one of those classic, classic Trey uh, guitar solos that I've probably listened to a million times. Um, tell us about it. Yeah, so this is one that I, I feel like um, has been burned into my memory because of a video, which is the it's the 7698 Ghost from Europe. And I mean, you guys, you know, you know the video. There have been like memes and all kinds of things created out of Trey's, the faces he's making during this jam. I mean, to me, this is like the most ferocious guitar playing that uh, that he played in Fish, at least. Um, Jonathan might disagree with that. But, you know, there's, man, it's outrageous. There's, there's the part that you know where he's like sticking his tongue out and like playing that little <laughs> phrase over and over, you know, and that's cool. But then there's like four or five minutes after that of just absolutely like his, his hands are moving so fast. I can't even figure out what's going on. He's like headbanging in a way that I feel like, you know, like you said, Matt, he was jumping around a lot, having fun, but this like straight up headbanging while playing guitar, like I don't remember that a lot in concert in the 90s. Maybe I just missed a lot, but I feel like the straight up headbanging while soloing wasn't as common as uh, as you might think. Did I miss a bunch of headbanging? I don't think, I don't think so. so. This is a particularly <laughs> fiery version. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not it's the, it's not just that. It's the jumping all over the place. Like I every time I watch it, I'm afraid that he's going to land on his one of his pedals and like twist his ankle <laughs> or something like that. Um, he's just like so going going crazy all over the place. Like you said, the tongue thing that he does when he you know he kicks on his whammy pedal and like yeah. I mean it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, the the crazy thing to me about this jam is always the fact that they land perfectly in jumping jack flash mike even like like trey plays it and mike immediately picks it up and starts playing it on the bass but they're so hot that they're like nah let's let's forget about that and move on and keep doing our own thing i mean it's It's so awesome it's true it's true true. and there's so there's like it keeps the jam keeps peaking and i feel like it's all fish is often not just a backing band for trey but like in this jam it's just like they just keep keep it going and I think Fishman probably keeps increasing the tempo as it goes, but it's just, it, it's it's a pretty phenomenal listen. Should we check it out? Yeah, let me, let me two things that I want to yes, say please. about it. First is, and again, I think this is as your, your video comment, RJ, it's, it's, you know, captured on a pretty good video, but he does not lay a fucking eyeball on his guitar or the neck at all. <laughs> yeah. And that to me is fucking incredible because he is all over the place. And he's just not—he's just not watching or looking at what he's doing, it's, which is is incredible to me. And, and I'm sure plenty of people do it and all that, but that was awesome. And the other thing is, to me, the tone of this jam and guitar, I think, started in like '97, maybe even earlier. But it's like the culmination of that. And I, I almost think he moves on from that tone thereafter because it's not in 1999. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a—it's a—it's just an incredible jam. It's peak for sure.
right, so we're back from the, you know, one of the best ghosts, if not the best. And um, Jonathan's not here, so I've been nominated to read his entry. Um, and I hope I do this justice, Jay. But so, uh, Jay, in the notes types, he's still absolutely mind fucked by the voodoo child. Slight return uh, in parentheses. Also, Trey and Tom singing Sleep in Blue and Shiny and parens from 1999, May 11. May 11th, 1999. You got to do it backwards. And I haven't talked about it on the podcast lately. (laughs) I'm not sure that's even true. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's the funny part. Um, But this is obviously not a fish jam he's talking about. Um, This is a tab, and it's the three-piece tab. You guys have specific memories of it, RJ? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wish, I wish I was in DC at this time. I mean, this, these shows were outrageous and this is when we, when we talked about the tab 1.0 as, as I think we, and maybe you Matt, uh, really coined tab 1.0. Um, we, we did not include this and there, there was a, we got in a fight on the internet about it, um, briefly, (laughs) but this is this, this trio is outrageous. Totally outrageous. Yeah, and, and, and Jonathan's right. I mean, there's this, this bunch of different jams, but this one in particular, just relentless playing from Trey. Um, so, you know, like we talked about in that Tab episode, you know, a, I think a big part of that band has always been giving Trey a platform to solo um, and not feel like, you know, he needs to be sort of perfectly integrated with the band and allowing everybody space and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's been a handful of times in Fish's history, like that ghost that we just heard, where he sort of does his own thing and the band does a great job of supporting. But um, that's one of the great things about Tab is, you know, just getting to hear Trey absolutely shred like this. Brad, are you gonna keep? Are you gonna keep reading? You have to Shall keep we, reading. Shall we? I think I, there's a couple more gems in here. The sheer balls to rip into it on the trio, and then play it with such command, which is what I think what we're talking about, right? That um, Jonathan continues. We all know how good in ripping a Trey guitar solo can be, but here he's way out front. Russ and Tony truly just backing him with rhythms as he shreds. I had only Jonathan had only seen him with Fish before, and this is all sort of far less common for him than fish yeah i think it became more common come that summer tour see the sand jonathan points to <laughs> this is a ripping gem um matt do you do you do you wish that we had included this in tab 1.0 or no wait no that's not the right question matt do you love this gem <laughs> i do yes should we, should we play it for the children at least part yeah let's do it at, at least
So, Brad, Matt, we've we've gone through. We each talked about a few things. It's interesting that we we left off at 1999, and I was. <laughs> yeah. A couple other things on my short list, if you guys don't mind, I think we should talk about a few recent things just in sort of a, a little bit um, of a way to wrap up, but also to talk about some of the, you know, the recent advancements because it's different now. Like the music's different, the experience is different, especially for us because we're old and there's plenty of different projects. And in so, a few of the things, we we added other ideas that were not fish related. Um, and I just want to mention that when I went to, I got to go to Berkeley, uh, the Greek theater and see the last goes to the forest show. And, um, I just couldn't believe how well that band was like put together at that point. Like they, they were so good and they were playing so well and it was such a beautiful performance. And I know that that, um, show ended up being like very special because, um, Trey's friend, Chris's family was there and I actually got a chance to talk to Trey about this briefly once and I told him I was at that show and they were, you know, we, I was like, that was the coolest solo show that I've seen in a really long time. And I just think like putting that whole thing together and then touring around it, even though they played the same show every night, it ended up being like such a special experience for everyone who got to see it. And, and obviously for the band as well. Um, I, I feel like that's worth calling out because it just seemed like such a unique moment. I don't know if you guys agree, but that's kind of pretty, pretty amazing project. Yeah. I remember, you know, we saw the show at the Anthem, uh, towards the beginning of the tour. Um, and I think uh, maybe, um, mistaken about this i'm almost positive that was before the album came out and um so we you know we were hearing all this stuff very fresh i hadn't listened to any recordings from the tour going into it i wanted to really just like absorb all of it and i remember our overwhelming takeaway that night was like we'd never heard trey do anything like this before it was so unique and you know after hundreds of times of seeing this guy play live for him to do something that just felt so fresh and emotional and raw and it was um it was really fantastic and i'd love to see other projects like this happen in the future because it was it was so cool i still listen to the album uh the ghost album i think it's incredible and i, I got to see him once in la uh same sort of feelings just wonderful um i'd never been i've never felt so mature at a fish show i think <laughs> uh that's <laughs> you know what i mean it's just it, it's yeah. like very developed and thought out and like meaningful and emotional um and it, different kinds of emotions than I get like from a second set, <laughs> you know, Piper or whatever. That's a good point. Yeah. It was, a, it's a different, it's a, sort of what I was saying earlier. Like it feels like it's a different time, like a little bit of a different, um, era almost, you yeah. know, especially from the stuff that we were talking about, which is just, um, you know, was just all about the, the shredding. Um, there, yeah, like you said, Matt, so emotional, so raw and, and, and also, for people who just want to hear fish, you know, jams, a lot of these songs got adapted into beautiful fish songs, you know, which, which is really cool. Like we've talked about this a lot on the show in different ways, but new material like really allows or, or helps the band push forward, I think. And just the, the Alpine Ruby waves from, from summer of 2019 is a perfect example, right? Like without this project, maybe that happens with a different song, but kind of allows them to push out there. Same with, Sea of Stars and, and other stuff. So I'm all for more projects like this. Uh, you know, another kind of general topic that we want to talk about as far as Trey goes is is the solo ac acoustic shows that he's done and is hopefully will continue to do. Um, it's a wonderful time because, uh, number one, it's it's great to be in a, a intimate room with him and just an acoustic and it's quiet and you can listen to everything. But it also gives him the the, <laughs> the time to tell stories, right? Um, so uh, thankful for those um, and see as many as, as we can. I don't know if there's, you know, much else to talk about, but we had to bring it up. I mean, it's amazing how many stories he tells. I can't believe how many stories come out of those shows. Like if I had to play a couple songs and tell a story every night, I'm not, I don't even have any stories. It's a story per show, which is incredible, right? Like now it is. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and it didn't start that way either. It was no. like an acoustic show and he just happened to, you know, tell stories to talk to kill time before things. And I, it almost seems like an accident that he would constantly be like, oh, you, you guys want me to shut up. And everybody in the audience would be like, no, no, keep talking. <laughs> That's right. I mean, to me, the fact that he has a separate song, like kind of song list 
not a set list, but just like with his songs, he just has a huge list of songs that he can choose from. He has that for stories. When he does the acoustic thing, like if you told me like, hey, sit down and make a whole list of stories that you could tell people on stage, I'd be like, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, I couldn't possibly well, to do make them so all it. entertaining is one thing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a yeah. totally different thing, right? I could tell you a story, but it's probably fucking yeah. boring. Yeah. But that that show that we, you know, I know, RJ, you've seen a couple of the acoustic ones. I've only seen one, which is the, that one that we saw at Sixth and I, the synagogue uh, here in D.C. Um, and it was like just felt so special to be in that space and experience the whole thing and um yeah i I hope that continues because um i would love to see more more shows like that in those very very intimate spaces yeah i mean they they got to come back and i think it's it's a good outlet it seems like a good outlet for him as a musician to just be able to like kind of have that experience with the audience and with with those songs which is cool yeah um matt anything you want to talk about I think the the last leg of the stool for me is probably just, you know, one of the things that has really, I've kind of feel like I've become enlightened to and not to kind of name drop or be braggy or anything, but like through the time that we've spent hanging out with Tom Marshall, um, I've gotten a sense of people always talk about this, but like the scent that just the sense of humor that the band has and in particular Trey and, and the fact that it's just always there and it kind of like is like a thread through every single thing that they do. Um, you, you really see that in, and so many times over the years and, and, you know, we've had some experiences in the last 10 years too, of like this sense of humor coming out and just like, in the middle of like, you know, musical brilliance and, and everybody taking these jams so seriously and everything like that. The fact that things can just like all of a sudden become the funniest thing ever. Um, you know, a a great example of that is the rescue squad situation. Um, I wouldn't exactly call that whole experience a great tray memory. Um, you know, I spent that whole third set very 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 nervous about what was going to happen and i had a very difficult time enjoying that set but you know rj you kind of pointed out you know the fact that the whole thing ended with trey like sitting down at the drums and writing immediate you know on the spot the rescue squad song that like then gets (laughs) tracked out on live fish and it's like all right here's this thing now and he's like finding humor in it like if that were me not only would i have not have been as brave to let the show continue i probably just would have laid down on the platform and started screaming (laughs) get me down get me down but then that he can like in front of all of these, you know, friends and loved ones and fans, like, you know, add levity to the experience was, was great. But the thing that I wanted to to mention, like another great example of that, um, that, that didn't have an element of danger involved, um, memory that always sticks out to me was in Portsmouth, uh, when he, the, the whole tucking thing, this was 2012, uh, the Portsmouth shows when, you know, he's like, talking about you know fishman tucking in his dress and everything like that but then there's that sequence at the beginning of maze when he like grabs a lightsaber out of the audience and starts waving it around and he's like luke i am your father and like i mean just off this the you know off the cuff just like everybody was laughing hysterically like in the middle of playing for you know thousands of people how do you just be like i'm gonna play with a lightsaber and make it real funny and he tells Kuroda to turn the lights off and he's waving the lightsaber around and like <laughs> I mean that's a, like you're not going to see many okay. rock and roll you know guitar no. gods do something like that on stage so I think all of that is you know just to say that like Trey's sense of humor and the fact that he doesn't like put that aside and go out on stage and, and be Mr. you know guitar virtuoso is really really important and probably a big draw for, for many of us yeah I'd, I'd add the um the levity, it's a wonderful point, Matt. And it's one of the things I, you always watch for when, the, when they're not playing. You kind of see what Trey's doing to see if he's uh, who he's talking about. Because he's always bouncing and laughing. But the Dick's 14 run when, when um, everyone voted Lushington is the best fish song. Do you remember that? And then they yeah. spelled out Lushington in the first set and they ended with ha, ha, ha. That, yeah. that, was, pretty, that was pretty great. Yeah. That's what it reminds always, me of. Yeah. It's, always part of the, it's always part of the deal, you know? Um yeah, that's a, that's awesome. That's a good that's a good way to wrap it up. I, I hope that people had a good time um, reflecting on Trey's shredding and humor and all the other things that, that we try to touch on here. Um, we are going to see you all in a couple of weeks with an amazing October two thousand show. Uh, what else should we tell people before we wrap up? Vote. 
Yes. Get your asses vote. out there. Uh, I voted today. My my ballot is in as of when we were recording this. Um, you you really don't have much of an excuse, or at least most people don't have much of an excuse. Like, get yourself registered, check your info, get your ballot, get your ballot physically delivered to a place. And many places are being super accommodating. We got our absentee balance. And um, not only did I not mail it in, I didn't even have to take it into our registrar's office because they put a ballot box out so that people could drop their ballot in um, without having to go inside of a building if you're concerned about social distancing and stuff like that. And the box is guarded and surveilled 24 hours a day and stuff like that. So hopefully your municipality where you you vote uh, has a similar situation, but just do it now, do it early. Uh, we, we None of us can afford to sit this one out. Pretend like it's a PTBM application or whatever. Like, don't let it, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, uh, if you don't vote, we're all getting spack lawns. Okay, that's how bad <laughs> <Yeah>. this is. <laughs> that's a good way to end, Matt. Thanks for that reminder. Um, we will be throwing some stuff out there with headcount soon to, to help provide people with some information in, in several states around the country. So we're trying to do a small part, but thank you, Matt, for bringing that up because that's very, very important. Um, all right. We are going to let you get back to your Wednesday or Thursday if you listen to this a day late, which would be sad. Um, but we'll, um, we'll see you all back here for October 2000. Uh, send your uh, thoughts. <laughs> send, send all your positive comments to me and Matt and send your hate mail to Brad. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Keep on rocking. When it comes to work, communication is key. Even if you don't have a writing job, sounding unconfident, indecisive, or passive-aggressive can hold you back professionally and hurt your team's productivity. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions make sure you're always sending the right message. Sound clear and confident in your writing and automatically replace negative-leaning language with solution-focused alternatives. With Grammarly's help, you can build stronger relationships at work, be constructive in the face of challenges, and help your team get things done. Grimly works where you do, so your team's projects get done before the deadline. And with features like comprehensive spelling, grammar, and clarity-focused sentence rewrites, Grimly helps keep your writing efficient and mistake-free. The right tone can move any project forward. Get it just right with Grimly. Go to Grimly.com slash podcast to sign up for free. Then get 20% off when you upgrade to premium. That's 20% off at Grimly.com slash podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.